Hello, this is Rob Thomas with Club and Resort Business. In this episode of Club and Resort Talks, we chat with Brian Orr, golf course photographer extraordinaire. Learn what makes for a good shot and the future of the profession. If your course's images are stale or out of date, think about bringing Brian in for a shoot. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Club and Resort Talks podcast. Today's guest is golf course photographer Brian Orr. He's captured amazing shots from courses all over the world. Check out his website at brianorr.com, O-A-R.com. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me on, you guys. I appreciate it, Rob. Uh, it's, uh, I've been friends with you for quite a while, and uh, thank you for having me on your show. So, you know, golf course photography is uh, kind of a unique angle for any photographer, really. So, I mean, you know, I didn't formally go to school for study photography or anything. I just had a, you know, a considerable passion from from a very pretty young age, actually, of what a golf course looks like in in first light. And my earliest real kind of kind of story that's that's kind of a neat story that I remember and what really inspired me to go on to do photography is I used to play in the mornings with my grandma when I was young. And she would only play at this one golf course close to her house in the morning. So we would go out there. She would take me out there. And essentially, we'd just go out sunrise. And we would all, it, it always seemed to be that we were on like the second or the third hole as the sun came over the top of the mountain. And this was in Salt Lake City, Utah. And the light that came over the top of the mountain in the morning was really yellow. And it, it only lasted not very long because of the mountains were so tall. But as soon as the light hit this one par three, I remember just being like, that's the most beautiful scene I could possibly imagine. <laughs> so from a young age, when I was playing golf, I really appreciated the beauty of uh, early light onto a golf course. And um, I just, from then on, I always loved playing early or late just because golf, you know, you know, courses really take on their own look and persona uh, in golden hour light. And that's what a lot of people call it. You know, from there, it took me a while to really kind of, you know, kind of get into the groove of, of doing photography. I mean, I had been, I had owned a snowboard company for for quite a few years and was really involved in winter sports and really didn't do much in golf. But that came to an end at one point in my life. And golf really came back into my life of where I really loved playing after, you know, a, a considerable break. And at one time, I just started taking my, a camera that I had with me uh, on the golf course and just started taking photos of when we played. And there was some interest from some courses that I had played and I started a website. So it, it all kind of stemmed from just passion really of uh, going out and, and just taking photos and, you know, kind of getting lucky with taking a few nice photos and, and of course being uh, interested in purchasing them. And it all just kind of spiraled from there. And that was about, that was about 20 years ago now. So it's uh, been quite a ride. <laughs> now, that's that's pretty uh, interesting because it's been 15 years or so since I first met you, 12, 15 in that area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been I about that. I can't tell you. Every time we've been on a trip, I think you've missed either 
breakfast or dinner because of that, probably because of the golden hour where you are out shooting and we're out, we're having a good time. We're, we're yucking up glass of wine and, <laughs> or whatever. And so you're missing either missing on the uh, appetizers or, or um, I know some scrambled eggs in the morning, but uh, so I guess that, I mean, that's the, that's your golden hour. Yeah, that's definitely the golden hour. And I mean, for me, you know, that's really when the magic happens. I mean, and you can kind of tell, I mean, sometimes you'll get lucky with midday light or, depending on the golf course, like it's, if, if it's a golf course that has a ton of trees or something like that, then, you know, golden hours are pointless because you just don't usually get much sunlight on a hole where you're, where you shoot a hole in the shade, which doesn't really have much definition or anything. But yeah, that is one of the downfalls of a, a golf course photographer, especially out with a bunch of friends. You, you hardly ever make breakfast and most assuredly you, you miss dinner. <laughs> a tough lot in life, right? Yeah, tough life, right? <laughs> hey, quick story. Uh, you and I played at uh, Sun Valley in in uh, Idaho. Yep. And it was on the uh, it was on the fourth hole, a par five. I remember distinctly. This is the first time I realized golf course photography was an art form. I stepped. I was on the tee. And I was taking a picture of the fourth hole. It's a par five. It's really beautiful. We got the. I think it's Dollar Mountain in the backdrop and a uh, beautiful fescue on the, on the left. I took a picture and I thought it pretty, looked pretty good. And then you stepped maybe like I don't know, three, four steps to the left. And you took the same picture, same hole, but the picture was, I mean, it's, it's worthy of a frame. In fact, I think you sent me a copy and I have it framed in my golf room right now. Uh, that, that was the moment. It's like, my, like an aha moment. Uh, golf course photography is more than just being on a hole and taking a picture it's it's seeing that hole in a different light can you i don't can you put that into words that what you're seeing that i'm not seeing yeah so i mean you know sometimes it's laid out right in front of you i mean there are architects and holes that that i mean honestly you can't take a bad picture of but i tend to be able to kind of take a a a picture in my mind of how the hole is laid out and then i kind of extrapolate all that information into where angle wise and features wise and background wise and where the flag is and where the light's coming from of how to frame that hole or frame that composition the most interesting way possible. Um, and that can be anywhere from foreground images to background images to a bunker to a line of fescue to a rock or a tree. I mean, it really just kind of depends. And, and uh, a lot of that happens usually pretty quickly for me. Like I can get to a hole and, and I can, you know, frame up and conceptualize a great angle or a composition pretty quickly. Usually that doesn't mean that I haven't seen a hole, you know, holes can change depending on where light is coming from. Not that they change, you know, architecturally, but they can look fantastic in one light and not so good in another light. So, you know, really light is very important on, on, um, on how a golf hole can look. And, and that's that way really in, in, in uh, landscape photography anyways, you know, light is really light is everything. You said you work with, uh, with golf clubs, golf courses, resorts, they, they call you up. They want you to come out. Uh, how does that process work? Uh, I know that you were, I don't know if it's recently, but you were, uh, took some shots of Manalei, Lanai, and Hawaii. And 
I, I noticed I played that course in August, and uh, the courses, the holes right along the ocean are spectacular. Yeah, how do, how would a club and most of our audience are, are GMs, uh, boards of directors, or whatever? How would a club get a hold of you, and and what's the process of, of bringing Brian or into uh, Takes Me Shots? Well, um, it, it, it's happened a lot of different ways. The first time it happened, <laughs> the very first time is a magazine saw a shot on a website. So I mean that's definitely uh, where it can start. You know, I, I've been featured in magazines for 20 years now, and so people do see those images, and, and my name has been out there, and it's, you know, fairly uh, recognizable. Uh, these days, I, I mean, as much as it, it is kind of a pain in the ass, and, and it, it can be fun and not so fun all at the same time, and Instagram, you know, social media is a big part of it now. Instagram is a... Is, a pretty good tool for getting work out there and, and people seeing, you know, what I, what I do, but early on. And, and even now I do think that, you know, the relationships that I have met over the last 20 years, like you, Rob, and, you know, 50, 60 other guys out there in the business that, you know, that have just, that I've been able to meet and, you know, people have connections and next thing you know, somebody mentions a name or, you know, the, the, one of the big things has just been traveling, you know, traveling to destinations that have epic places to shoot and, and you do everything you can to try and get out there and, and shoot a golf course, whatever it takes to do it. So just plain travel, uh, however that happens, has been a big part of it. And, um, you know, uh, there are times where I'll just get, you know, of course, will call me or email me out of the blue and they're like, we want to have you out. Your work's awesome. And, and we just set it up that way. So there's kind of a, kind of a few ways it can happen, and it's not really set. Um, you know, I I tend to get uh, quite a few locked in contracts every year, and and then other ones just pop up here and there. Circling back to Mandalay, unless you were shooting from a really really tall ladder, you were doing some drone shots. Can you tell us a little bit? Or I I imagine you have to become drone certified. What is what's the process, and uh, what's different between uh, shooting drone as opposed to something stationary? Well, I have to admit the introduction of flying cameras has completely changed the game. And it's, it's just been in the last six years, five years, even less than that to, to where a, a, a photo from a drone has been quality enough to actually use on a real print campaign and actually, I, I just was dealing with it here this morning with an image of Kavira in um, in Mexico, where back when I first shot the golf course before it opened, it was on a GoPro and, and a drone that was like, you know, this kind of cobbled together sort of piece of <laughs> machinery that like really wasn't uh, sure the, can the, the drone would fly, but the camera wasn't connected to anything to where you could really see it. You didn't have any uh, aperture um, changes, and you're really just kind of guessing on um, on how to shoot the hole. But at the time, it was like, well, this is cool anyways because I don't have to try and shoot from a helicopter or rent a helicopter or anything like that. And um, now, you know, fast forward five years, you have these, oh, man, ultra cool, you know, high-tech little units that are small and you know, we have a 20 megapixel camera on a little teeny tiny drone that shoots 4K video. I mean, it's pretty amazing what's what 
you know, the technology of these little drones have in the, in five years have, have brought, brought to golf course photography and a lot of other photography too. So in terms of, uh, you know, what drones have done for, for golf, I mean, man, when was it, it, nobody ever used to shoot the angles that you could do with, with, with a, with a, a drone now, because a, if you got too close, you know, you, you'd crash a helicopter or, um, you know, you, you just, there's no way you could get into some of the spots with a, with a lift or a cherry picker or anything like that. So yeah, there's angles now for, on golf courses that were never possible before. If you're just some average Joe with a drone and nothing, nothing, no, no 20 megapixel, maybe a, you know, a little eight megapixel picture, any tips you'd give somebody on uh, what to look for when you're up there? Well, first and foremost is in the end, it's a flying camera and they are dangerous. I mean, you, you just plain have to be careful. And, and yes, you have to be certified if you're going to do anything commercially and, and you have to know FAA uh, airspace restrictions and, you don't want to just go launching your drone somewhere at some golf course because you could be in restricted airspace, and you know that's a big problem. And it, and it has been, you know, drones, you know, you idiots flying drones out by airports and doing stupid stuff like that, which is just a plain bad idea. So first of all, just you know, if you are flying a drone and you're going to fly it at a golf course, be incredibly careful with with what you do with it. They're very easy to crash. You can fly one into a person. You can. It just takes it takes a very uh, a considerable amount of spatial awareness um, in terms of where that drone is in relationship to where you are. So it takes a while to get the hang of how to fly and how to essentially frame a golf hole. You know how you're envisioning it in your head um, and and what it looks like. So as far as tips go of how to use a drone, I mean first and foremost, just just be damn careful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, secondly, you know, I would just say, you know, try to pick an angle that that is interesting. I mean, and that could be anything. That could be could be a tree. It could be a lake. It could be a, a river. It could be a bunker. I mean, I can't say that my style is going to be the same as somebody else's style. And you know, there's there's a lot of people out there shooting with drones now that have captured a lot of cool stuff. I mean. I don't know. I look for specific things, but that's just my brain, you know. I mean, and and my my eye and my brain look for different things than somebody else's would. But tips, it's again. I think it for me, it's the, the biggest tip is light, and and interesting interesting light is always going to make. I mean, you could have a fairly boring hole, but if you have if you have cool light, you, you've got a cool shot. Thank you. I'm going to take my drone out and uh, shoot tomorrow. Cool, man. Way cool. It's always always fun. But some of the newer drones will show you, or, or won't even take off if you're in restricted airspace. Now, uh, you can't even you can't even turn it on. So you know, obviously, you would you theoretically should know that. And I mean, never fly, never take your drone over 400 feet in the air. You know, it's just a bad idea because essentially the FAA starts regulating. You you have you have you have airspace that hits at 700 feet, which is is real aviation you know you're going to have helicopters and low-flying airplanes and at 700 feet real air travel happens for a lot of other a lot of other things now you know you, you might think that you could move your drone quickly but you just never know and, and last thing you want to do is have some issue with flying your drone with another with another aircraft <laughs> it's not fun 
Now, I can imagine, uh, I mean, a ton of bad things can happen, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, there's not too, you know, the, 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 uh, early, the early parts of drones, they had connectivity issues, and you'd just, you'd ultimately, you, people would, the drones would just fly away. Just, <laughs> you'd, you'd put it up, and it'd just it'd fly off, and you'd never get it back. And so that really was the scary point. And then early on, too, guys were taking their drones, you know, up to five, ten thousand feet, which is, I mean, that's a huge, completely bad idea, you know. So. Hey, uh, getting off of the, you're, you're scaring the heck out of me. So let's let's get away from the uh, the drone talk. <laughs> no, don't and, be scared. I mean, you, you you can you can you can fly a golf course. I mean, really, really, it's all about just you know, take your time. Don't you know, if if you're not a, if you haven't been flying for a long time, take your time and and don't don't be a hero. Don't think that you can fly, you know, close to that. Remember too, you've got a little bit of latency in your in your drone and your controller. So when you're seeing that picture move on your on your phone or whatever you're watching your drone on, you're getting a latency. You're you're a delay. So you can easily fly into a tree and not even know it, and, and you wouldn't know it for a second or two later. Be a rude awakening. Exactly, and believe me, I've done it before. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from experience. <laughs> On a, on a technical standpoint, what um, what makes a, a certain golf course uh, either more or less enjoyable enjoyable for you to shoot? There's a lot of elements. Take a course like Monolay. Realistically, you can't take a bad photo of it. It's like epic every, every everywhere you turn. That being said, I mean there's amazing shots to be had of a golf course that's you know, on a giant cliffside on an island in Hawaii, at, or, or you could go into the sand hills of Nebraska and still find um, incredible, you know, looks for golf holes. Amazingly enough, you know, uh, some, some of the great golf courses, you know, are, are situated in some pretty beautiful spots. And so I don't think it's really one or the other, and, and I don't really prefer one or the other either. Um, you know, I, I love shooting on the ocean just as much as I love shooting in Nebraska or any other, any other spot. I mean, I can, I can find beauty in, in, a, in a lot of holes generally, no matter where they're located, even like take a, take that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that shot that I had of um, Skyway golf course in New Jersey. It's literally right in like industrial hell, so to speak. And, you know, Manhattan is, is only a few miles and it's like you have this beautiful golf course with this, you know, essentially what would be like an ugly factory right behind it. <laughs> so, you know, you could, but I had amazing light. And again, that goes back to, you know, incredible light on a hole that, you know, might not be, might not really be somebody's like, you wouldn't, wouldn't think that it's this amazing golf hole, but when you catch it in the right light and you, and you show this hole with, you know, a cool golf hole and then this, you know, juxtaposed with this, you know, almost post-apocalyptic, like, factory behind it it's like whoa that's that's amazing you know and that's the differences in you know golf can be beautiful in nearly any setting sure that's a striking dichotomy between like the lush green fairways and and urban sprawl yeah yeah for sure uh, definitely are there any everyday features on a golf course that are hard to capture even for a professional like you that just maybe doesn't translate to the uh to the eye well i mean it all it, it really i think it does depend on the golf course and, and, it, and it can be how well the golf course is taken care of 
so agronomy does not necessarily that the golf that, that, that it has to be perfect just there just has to be features in the agronomy that makes it interesting whether it's a uh the delineation of short grass and long grass or um you know just just how things are cut or in relation you know maybe you have a clubhouse um you know i always i always find clubhouses are kind of tough tough to shoot depending on the course i mean sometimes they're just you know not very interesting to look at or they're perched on some something that makes it tough to shoot um I mean, there are features that are that are kind of tough to shoot. Tee shots can be tough to shoot, um, except for par threes, just because a lot of times you you can't convey a hole from a you know somebody might love a tee shot, but taking a picture of it just looks like a tee box and a bunch of you know nothingness because it's hard to convey 500 yards in a in a shot from a tee. But par threes usually work out. the The only other thing that I that I that I kind of I don't really struggle with it, but for a long time, I didn't like doing it as having people in my shots. But I nowadays, I try to shoot at least some stuff with people in them just for, because I, I think that, uh, especially with Instagram, you see so many images with people in them of these of amazing places that it, it seems to strike some sort of relatable image of, hey, I could be there. Or, hey, there's a person there. I could be that person. And I think that, that that's one of the things that has really kind of exploded Instagram and just generally inspiring people to travel to crazy places all over the world. And I think golf is doing that too. Uh, you know, people are seeing a person at, you know, band dunes or wherever, you know, and they're like, wow, I, you know, I got to go there. And I think that a person, sometimes a person inside of a photo can kind of maybe bring a little bit more uh, believable visions to somebody hey i can be there too you know whereas i used to like i couldn't stand having people in my images i thought i i always i always hated it like get out of my shot i don't want anybody in it <laughs> nowadays i try and at least shoot a few uh of the you know whatever spectacular images i can with with the, with the person in it. sometimes it's just not possible because there a lot of times people are not willing to come out with me at five o'clock in the morning to be a model yeah don't 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 uh, knock on my door yeah it's very it's tough so unless you have somebody that like is like uh, specifically coming out with you you know you know golden hour light can be tough with having a model or having somebody out there every once in a while i'll get lucky like i was just shooting uh gamble sands up in washington and um it was really late the light was the light was going to go away i didn't think i was going to get anything and all of a sudden the sun just broke through for like 10 minutes and i flew out there really really quick and some guy one guy one lone kid he must have been where he must have worked there was just walking number two and it was perfect. Like I just caught this kid walking down number two and it was like, he, he, like you couldn't stage it any better. It was so perfect, you know? And it really makes this believable shot of, wow, you know, I, I want to do that. And that's kind of my whole thing is whenever I take a shot in that and it's like a signature image, I want somebody to think that I want somebody to think I got to go and play that hole. I want to do that. That that's the idea for me. Whenever I try and shoot a golf course, I need that one or two images or however many it is that strikes a thought in somebody. Damn, I got to go play there. No, I, I can definitely see that because I've seen a number of your pictures thinking, oh, man, how come I haven't been there with Brian? I, uh, you and I just went to uh, Branson. Was that right last year, two years ago? I think it was. 
Yeah, we were in Brantford last track. year. Last year. Was it two years ago? Yeah. But no, definitely. Uh, what, so I imagine while we were at Branson, we we played, I mean, Top of the Rock, Mountaintop, uh, Buffalo Ridge, all these beautiful, striking golf courses. Mm-hmm. And you took, you must have taken thousands of shots. Or a thousand, let's say just say a thousand shots. What's your artistic process? Mm-hmm. You you have these uh, cards with all these shots. You take them home. What do you do next? Well, so essentially, I mean, there's kind of an industry standard program. I mean, some people may have a different process than me, but Lightroom is if is a, Adobe Lightroom is kind of the main program that almost every single photographer works in these days, and that's basically where it all starts. So you take whatever images you've shot into Lightroom, and then you're making whatever adjustments in inside there these days i try to be i try to be as particular as i can when you're when you're composing an image to try and minimize any post-production there's a few things that i'll I'll, you know you you try to not touch the exposure as much as as you can but you know there there are things that you do in post-processing that make an image look better and there's there's a you know a lot of cameras these days shoot you know, what's called raw, which is a raw image file with zero compression and zero color variation. And, and basically it's a, a file that is uncompressed and doesn't have anything on it. And it's just a, basically a dry, you know, exposure of what, of what the image is as you're composing. So you basically have a starting point of an exposure that is flat. It doesn't, it doesn't have any coloring. It doesn't have anything. It's just this basic exposure of what you were seeing. Sometimes those can turn out really, really well, but most of the time they're very flat. So, you know, you, you kind of you kind of edit your photo from there. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it takes two minutes. Sometimes it takes an hour. It just depends on the image and, and, what, and what you're trying to what you're trying to make that image end up. I always try to make the image look how I saw it. Like when it like say that uh, that the one of those shots of mountaintop in Branson. Well, the light was really red that night. It was really red and really yellow. So I have that capture in my head of what the light looked like. So when I go back to process it, that's what I'm shooting for. And it may be one or two stops brighter or one or two stops darker. It just depends that I'm trying to match that sort of image that I've taken in my head of that scene or composition of the photo. I'm going to apologize in advance for this question because it's kind of like asking you to choose your favorite kid. What mm-hmm. of all the shots you've taken, do you have a favorite like that man that pops? That's whether it was the the golf course, the experience. Is there one shot or two shots that stand out in your mind? Oh man, they change. You know, they really do. I mean, you can't. No, there there isn't really a favorite. I mean, I, I love a bunch of the shots like. You know, I live here in southern Utah where there's a couple courses that are just amazing to shoot. The stuff that I shot on in Hawaii is amazing on Kauai. Um, I was lucky enough to capture a 4 o'clock in the morning shot of the old course uh, a few years ago with amazing light. Um, you know, the, the, the shots at Kavira in, in, uh, in Mexico were just off the charts cool. Um, I just got back from Gamble Sands. That was amazing. So it really, you know, I guess it kind of evolved for me. I mean, now my, you know, I've shot almost 500 golf courses and it, and it starts to, how do you pick? You got to pick. You know? That was the question, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
it, I'd, I'd have to. I, I, I would, I would pick one, and then I'd go. No, wait a minute. I like this one. <laughs> yeah, too. I suppose this could go on and on, right? <laughs> I, you know, it, it could. Yeah, man, it literally would. I'd probably, I, I would probably pick about twenty shots, and, and they, I don't know if one elevates above another. Um, and it's funny because some people, funny when I send out proofs to it, to a, you know, I'll, I'll send out maybe a, a fifty image proof say to you know at, on average to to a, a resort or to to a course or whatever and it always amazes me the images that resonate to them because sometimes it doesn't uh, doesn't exactly match what i would pick so it's interesting to see people's eyes and what speaks to them when i go out and shoot a property you know they they a lot of times i have a favorite image Sometimes that favorite image doesn't even get picked in the final in the final selection. So, what speaks to me may not speak to you. I suppose it's a a lot of personal experiences going to what people like and don't like. Maybe they uh, they they had a, a great shot in that particular hole and say, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what I remember seeing." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, different different parts of, of golf courses can speak to, or different parts of, of photos can speak in, in different different timing you know it's like timing it's like little 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 spots in time that you know ingrain in somebody's head but uh and that's that's what they are for me you know just a a, a moment in time that just got caught and and it, it speaks to people in different ways okay i'll give you a little easier question this time you have um you get to choose okay. your dream foursome okay. golfer non-golfer living dead whatever okay. Who are the four people, and you get to be a fifth, so you get to be a fivesome. Who are the four people you're going to choose to play around a round of golf with? It's a little easier. It wasn't going to be an easy question, just a little bit easier. <laughs> that one's tough. That one's tough, too. I've seen that one with the list before, and, and uh, um, it's a tough one, man, because I'd like to play golf with, with people that I'm not sure play golf. <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, non-golfers. Oh, somebody said Jesus one time. I said, okay, well, I don't think he was a golfer, but I mean, that'd be something that you could uh, you can certainly put down. Yeah, man. You know, golf is such a, it's, a lot of times it's like such a an interesting relationship between people that, that you that you like to play with and, and other people that would be interesting to play with. I would love to play with like you know the, like like Jack Nicholas would, would be fun to play with. Just because of the you know iconness of of him and but it would be I'd be so nervous like I'm not sure I could hit a shot <laughs> like like if you were playing with Tiger Woods man like holy crap I'm I'm not even sure I could like yeah. contact the ball I'd be so nervous it, that'd be intimidating yeah it'd be intimidating man for sure ah oh, geez so who who would I pick um, you know the, the weird thing is is my dad like. My dad didn't play golf. Like he, he was the worst golfer ever. <laughs> but you know, at some point, he, he he used to ride along with us, and he was always like, he was always like such a comedian. So so I guess I'd have to say that you know my dad would be one somebody that that I'd want with us. But he was the worst golfer ever, and he didn't really play. So but he'd be in the cart. So he'd be chilling, drinking beer in the cart. Um, I guess. Uh, you know, I've heard that one of my one of my favorite guitar players I've heard does play golf, and uh, his name is Alex Lifeson from Rush. Um, I've heard he's actually a pretty good golfer, um, and I think he 
he would be super interesting to play with. He seems like a really funny guy. And, like, every time I, like, see, like, the members of Rush, like, talk together, they seem like they're just nonstop joking around with each other, which is kind of how I like playing golf, too. You know, you just it, the comedy factor of golf for me when I'm playing is what really I enjoy. Just funny stuff that happens or, or funny conversations. And I like to laugh a lot on the golf course. And, and, you know, it's not so serious that you can't, you know, have a few laughs, you know, out there playing, especially if, you know, because golf is hard. I mean, we take nines and tens and fifteens all the time, man. It just depends. You know, sometimes there's good play. Sometimes, sometimes there's brutal stuff that happens. And, and, and when I play golf, I was taught to, there was no such thing as a gimme ever. Grandma didn't, the, the, the gimme was not in grandma's uh, 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 vocabulary. There was no such thing. So when I was a kid, I used to take tens and twelves and fifteens all the time, and I didn't think anything of it. So, you know, I guess I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to put my grandma back in there, too. So I got my dad and my grandma. I got Alex Lyson from Rush. <laughs> and then who's my I get one more guy, right? I get one more person. You one more guy. Hmm. Oh, man. Let's go. Uh, um, man, that's a tough one. Who's my last one? Uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, I don't know, I, I'd say it, it's a toss-up between Jack and Tiger because Tiger really exploded golf in the modern day. But when I was a kid, coming home from coming home with Grandma after we played, I remember laying on her couch and, like, golf would come on, like, the, it was, like, the last four holes or the final four holes, and golf would come on TV, and I just remember, like, sitting in this room in her house, you know, tired, kind of sleepily watching golf. And just remember hearing Nicholas and Palmer, you know, coming up to the last four holes. But I think that early on, I remember, I remember just being like enamored with Jack Nicholas, just because his name was such synonymous for me with golf. So I'd probably say, you know, I'd love to play around with Jack. And I've met Jack a few times. I've had a few conversations with him. He's, he, he was very nice. Um, and, uh, we had some, uh, you know, banter back and forth about the golf course. I shot the opening of a course in park city that he did in Utah called painted Valley, which is this really fancy, difficult, beautiful golf course in park city, Utah. And we had a good conversation when it opened and it was cool. So Jack. I don't know of Jack's availability, but maybe we can tag Alex, Getty, and Neil and see if maybe uh, maybe Rush would, can make up a uh, foursome for yeah, you sometime. Maybe they run through Utah. I don't think Neil Kirk plays, and I'm not sure if Getty does either. I, I remember I've read about like Alex Liveson plays, but I don't know if the other two do. Maybe it'd be a twosome, and the other two can uh, drive in a golf yeah, cart be, and epic, drink a couple man. beers with I, I mean. I'd love to have a car. I'd love to hang out with Neil Kurt, man. I understand he's the uh, one of, if not the greatest drummer in the yeah, history. Yeah, again, you know, you're kind of music. picking, you're picking, uh, you're you're picking among some great players. But yeah, he 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 was he, that band was, and his drumming has been a in, big influence on me for a long time. 
I grew up with Peter Chris, and no. I know he's probably not technically a great drummer, but I just remember seeing all yeah, those how, drums how surrounding cool, Kiss when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, how cool thinking, was oh he a drummer, man? Of course. Yeah, I mean, just oh yeah. And then just a face the face painted persona that Kiss put out there was, and just the band as a whole. And he was a pretty good drummer. I mean, it was pretty simple, but you know, you still gotta you still gotta be the backbone of the band. I got it. Hey, I'm I'm no critic, but uh, I you know I like what I like, and I like those. Hey, getting back to golf and away from music for a second, is there a bucket list location, someplace that you haven't shot yet? I mean, you've done Old Course, you've done across Hawaii. You, I imagine, have you been to Pebble Beach? I have been to Pebble, and um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to. The, the day that I played Pebble Beach was a disastrous windy rainy mess like it was just a it was a torture nearly <laughs> uh so i didn't get to shoot pebble but i've shot all the other courses at least at pebble beach so um i've shot spanish bay and um uh, spyglass hill and um those are the only two at pebble that i've shot but then I, i've done some other stuff around monterey so i would love to go i would love to have spend some time with actual pebble beach i mean it's been shot to death by every golf course photographer that's you know that that is well known i mean and now even more people with with drones and and uh instagram like it just seems like non-stop images of pebble i would like to shoot it just to see you know what what i could do with it um but a tough place to shoot again too because it's kind of something that you, you have to kind of probably have to know a little bit and and know light and know i mean i could get out there and and, and do it absolutely but uh, so yeah i would love to shoot pebble i mean obviously i I'd, I'd love to i haven't got a shot to, to shoot uh mpcc monterey peninsula and obviously cypress would be great to shoot um so yeah that th those those would be some uh I think that uh, I, I, I definitely would love to shoot more in, in Ireland and, and uh, Scotland and, and England, but, but tough. It's so tough shooting over there because nobody will give you a cart. Like, here in the U.S., like, I can get a cart and go out on the golf course and it's easy, you know what I mean? You're just riding around and, and especially with a drone, you can just get out and shoot whatever. But in the U.K., man nobody will give you a cart, especially at four o'clock in the morning. You're hoofing it. Yeah. You're hoofing it. Absolutely. Like I remember first time I went to Scotland, I was shooting Turnberry and I asked the guy, he's like, I'm we're not giving you a cart. And I'm like, dude, I'm a photographer. I'm working for a magazine. He said, I don't care. <laughs> you can go shoot the golf course, but you got to walk out there. I'm like, Holy shit, man. That's like three miles. He's like, yep. That's a lot of equipment. Yeah, yeah. So it's tough. The UK is tough. And just the last time around, I was I was shooting Royal Dornick, and sun came up at four fifteen. So you know, I'm out there walking through the golf course at four o'clock in the morning. So it's, it's, it's we a touched challenge. upon this real, real quick. We touched upon um, the drones and how how it's like it's blown up in the last just few years. What, in your opinion, is the future of golf course photography? Um, well, I think you know, you're going to get you're going to get better and better cameras, so, so that the quality of the image will continue to improve. Seems to me that uh, 
these days you're getting what seems to be a little more uh, what people are starting to gravitate towards is video, which, you know, fly, you know, uh, cool videos and, and of, of basically golden hour where that kind of stuff was almost impossible at one time. I mean, you couldn't do some of that stuff with a helicopter. You just couldn't, you couldn't get the angles and you, you couldn't, you couldn't get the, 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 you know, the compositions that drones are, are able to get now. So I think that, you know, in the combination of, of quality of image and, uh, you know, the high, high res video, that's, that's really where it's going to me. That's what I am focusing on really. Um, and, um, I, I just think that, uh, you're going to see more and more people with Instagram. You're, you're seeing more and more people that, call themselves a golf course photographer and I, I mean i guess you are if you if whatever if you go out and you i mean yeah you, it's more and more people that are shooting essentially because of because of a drone okay i'm gonna get you out on on this one i've um I've been looking at your website a lot lately because I knew that you're going to be on the podcast and I see images of musicians and bands and food and flowers landscape. is not golf. Uh, If you're not shooting golf, what would you be shooting? I I had a, 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 I've done a lot of food too. Um, Food is very, it's very cool to shoot. Uh, um, But, but it isn't always uh, easy to get, um, it isn't always easy to get uh, restaurants to understand that they need great photography of their food. Um, golf courses are the same way. <laughs> like there are golf courses out there, and I'm sure you could find one in two seconds that have been using the same photography for 20 years, or 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 some terrible photo that somebody took on a crappy camera or on a cell phone. You know, some horrible photo. Even great I see golf it every courses. Every day. Every day. You see it every day. Where you're like, man, really? This is a pretty good golf course, and you, and and you're using that image to market it. Wow. <laughs> but uh, you know, food is, food is similar. I mean, you, you can go to, but I don't know. I, I like shooting food, and, and some some chefs are better than than others. I mean, some chefs really like when you when you're able to shoot a, a plate that has really cool presentation, that's really clean, and has a, a really interesting like. It's almost like a great golf hole, like just very particular parts like so much detail of how a dish was put together so i love shooting food um i wish i could shoot more uh concert stuff more bands and and more uh you know rock stars essentially it's 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 really fun to do especially if you have the right band i tend to think that it gets a little bit stale sometimes with, with a lot of images um but it's fun to do, especially if you've got a band that is animated and, and, and you have a, a guitar player or somebody that's animated and has a unique look. Um, I don't know. I've enjoyed doing that. Um, I don't get much of an opportunity where I live. Uh, and I think that I have to be careful, too. Of For me, I have to be careful how much I put myself out there and start doing other stuff because then I start to become inundated by, I mean way too much time sitting in front of my computer processing images. I mean, I already, I have a time, you know, with just with golf and, you know, now doing video more, 
the amount of time that you spend in front of the computer is off the charts. And you've got a uh, young family as well. Yeah, and a family, and and a, and a, and a couple other businesses. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's uh, I gotta I gotta be careful how much more I put myself out there to shoot different subjects. Um, and I live in St. George, so there's not much. Not there's essentially a zero music music scene, so I can't really shoot too many bands. Huh. And there's not very many great venues, uh, you know. And I, I tend, I, I do live in a beautiful part of the world, and I, and I try to do other landscape stuff. But again, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go out into the desert for two or three days and shoot just landscapes? I mean, it's not what I'm known for. Um, you know, I can do some. It just, it's not a priority currently. It may become that. You know, maybe here in a few more years when, when the families, when the kids are a little older. But I don't know. You just gotta. You can't. You can't fill you every twenty-four hours a day up with with images and photography. It doesn't work like that. No, I, I would stick to golf for the time being because you're you're yeah. fantastic at it. Uh, no, I I, hey, count me as one of your biggest fans. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And hey, uh, Brian, I could go on and on, but I think we should yeah. stop here. Sure. Uh, thank well, you so much for your time and sharing your experiences. Uh, what What's next for you? In. Uh, yeah, um, let's see. So I have uh, I have a good client in in Vegas that I shoot every year. So every year I go down to Paiute Golf Club and shoot that resort, which is a 54 hole facility of Pete Dye golf courses out in the middle of the desert, which is always a joy to shoot. Um, so that's that's the one that's currently on the uh, the the main list. Um, I have a few other things out there. We're going to go to Sweetens Cove next month, um, and I'm excited to go back there because the first time I shot Sweet Sweetens Cove for a, a magazine um it was really rainy and the shots that i got were were like which is very rare for me to to publish an image that isn't that is cloudy <laughs> but it was really interesting like i i i didn't think that the magazine was going to like the shots but I, I proved them to them anyways uh and they're very cloudy when you get a chance, go check it out. Go go check out the Sweetens Cove proofs on my uh, on my uh, on my website because you'll be like, oh yeah, that's interesting. And so they ran the the cloudiest images, a two page spread for the opening the opening story. And, and I don't think I've ever had that cloudy of an image published in a major magazine. <laughs> but it was just such a moody shot. Like it was so dark, it almost like it like had its own like kind of like not really evil, but it was like this mysterious sort of like dark look to the hole. And it was, uh, it was just interesting. So we're going to go back to Sweetens Cove and uh, that'll be fun to shoot that golf course again, um, hopefully in nicer weather and, and uh, a little bit more uh, ideal conditions. Good luck with that. Sweetens Cove is a, a social media darling. They oh, are man. like a legend. I... Yeah. They've, and isn't that interesting because I mean, when has a, you know, a golf course has come from just this little, you know, nothing, all of a sudden it just gains all this popularity in social media. And here it is, like, I think it just got bought by Andy Roddick and, and uh, uh, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, I think, was involved. Yeah, so they had investors now, so now it's, you know, now it's just going to become a whole other animal. I mean, uh, it sounds like they're going to keep it pretty low-key, but, you know, from nothing to something, you know, it's interesting, very interesting. And I didn't, I didn't really know much about it when I went out there and, I knew a little bit that it was like this kind of cool, like 
under the radar nine hole links course. So that, that was something that I wanted to check out just when I got the assignment with the magazine. And it was a, we went out there for 24 hours. I flew into Atlanta at one o'clock in the morning. They picked me up. We drove till three 30 in the morning up to Chattanooga. <laughs> I got up and shot the golf course and we left the next morning. So it was like, it was this whirlwind trip of what the heck am I doing out here in a, at a nine hole golf course? Nobody knows about. And shortly after when, you know, when that article came out, it really, you know, the article came out in the golfer's journal and it, it really gained a lot of steam and then a bunch of people picked it up on social media and, and here they are. I'm going to check it out. And for everybody out there listening, yeah. check out Brian's website, www.brianor.com again, or O A R and uh, see what he's up to. He's, he's the best in the business. And uh, Brian, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. A lot of people, you know, follow me on Instagram too. That's a good way to kind of keep up with. I try to post every day if I can. So it's just at Brian Orr on Instagram, and I uh, try to try to put some cool stuff up there. I'm going to put one up here today too of a, of an adventure that I had just the other day. My daughter and I went out to Area 51. Oh. And uh, and uh, did you cool storm it? <laughs> we did not storm it, but uh, it was a it was a cool little trip, man. And uh, there's a cool there's a really good golf course out in that neck of the woods that I'll post a picture of and kind of relate that to. I'm looking forward to it, man. Right on, man. I'll try and get that up today. If not, it'll be tomorrow. Beautiful. We're looking for it. Uh, talk to you later, Brian. Hey, Rob. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.